Well, happy birthday, New Hope. Ten years ago this weekend. Ten years ago this weekend. Actually, I shared with you earlier in the service. Ten years ago, last night, on October the 29th, 2000, 37 people met together at the Ramada Inn Hotel. That took a lot of guts to come to a hotel to go to church, didn't it? I really respect those people. You know, we started, God started something then 10 years ago, yesterday, and we've never looked back. Praise His name. But as we celebrate this major milestone, I want to talk to you today about why it is that God ever started this church in the first place. What it is that we've been seeking for Him to do through us in the last 10 years. And as we look forward to the future, if Jesus decides to put off His second coming... What it is, as we continue to move forward together, what it is he need, he's calling us to focus on as a church family as we head into the future. And I'd like to start by asking this question. How many of us have ever thought to ourselves, I wish I could just have a place where I could learn about God? You ever thought about that? You know what? I don't want all the garbage. I don't want all the junk. I don't want all the religious stuff. I don't want all the man-made stuff. I just, I cannot tell you over the years how many people have told me, Pastor Robbie, I know God is real. I know He wants to work in my life. I want to know Him. I want to follow Him and, and to understand what that's all about. I want to, to know about fulfilling His purpose for my life. I want to be His servant or somehow to let Him work through my life and the lives of others. But there's just one problem. I want to know about God, but I don't really care or what I've seen of church. You know, I believe there are many people who feel that way. Many people are open to God, but they do not like what they've seen in church. In fact, just this week, I share with you throughout our history, I've heard many, many people, that I can, the first couple that we led to the Lord, the first couple that followed Christ publicly by being baptized as believers in Christ, the very first couple, I remember when they first came to us, they said, Pastor Robbie said, we're not really churchgoers. We don't really do the church thing. But we're interested in God. Can we just come to your church? Can we just come and listen and learn? I see your twist my arm. <laughs> Absolutely. Absolutely. In fact, the last, just this last week, I had two people tell me that very thing. They said, I don't really like church, but I am looking for a place where I can learn about God. And friends, I've got to tell you, I've got to apologize for that. That is what church is supposed to be. Church is supposed to be a family. It's supposed to be a place where people can come and they can learn about God and God can work in their life and God can grow them into the person that He's calling them to be and He can work through their life to touch the lives of other people. But unfortunately, many times church has gotten way off that track, hasn't it? And tonight, as we celebrate our 10-year anniversary, since so many churches have gotten off track somewhere along the way, who's to say that we won't? Who's to guarantee that, hey, praise God, 10 years, wonderful things that God has done, but who's to say that 10 years from now we are way off track, we are way off base, we've forgotten what it is that God has called us to be about. And so tonight I want to bring us back to a passage that really, I can't think of a better passage for us to look at tonight because it's one of the best passages in Scripture where God shows us what a church should look like. And it's found in Acts chapter 2, verses 40 through 47. 
Now, to give you a little bit of a background before we read these scriptures, if you're familiar with the Bible, if you're familiar with the Old Testament, basically in the Gospels, which is, that's just a one word that we use to describe Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, okay? In the Gospels, we see that Jesus, he lived his life, he died on the cross, he paid for our sins for us. On that cross, he was buried, he rose again. He spent about 40 days with his disciples, teaching them and preparing them. And then at the end of about 40 days, he said, okay, boys and girls, I'm going back to heaven. I'm coming back one day, but in the meantime, I'm leaving it with you. And I want you to take care of making sure that the whole world hears that I have done this. I have died for their sins. I want to forgive them. I want to have a relationship with every person that I've ever created. I rose again to say that I can truly give you a life that lasts forever beyond the grave. And I want you to go give that message. Well, what we're seeing here in Acts chapter 2 is right after Jesus left, right after that, right when the church, what we call the church, is just getting started. And all that is, is the body of believers, God just speaking to people's heart, people giving their life to him, and they gather together in local gatherings, local groupings of people so that we can experience the family of God together in this world. As God did that, he said to them, okay, I want you to take this message out. What we're seeing is the church as it's just getting started, and I would even make the case in its purest form, before people had a good chance to mess it up. And it really gives us a great picture of God's vision for us. So tonight I want to talk to you about the vision of new hope. And I hope it's God's vision for any church, but we'll talk about it specifically in relationship to us. So let's read these verses. Now, this is talking about the Apostle Peter. It says, And with many other words he solemnly testified and kept on exhorting them, saying, Be saved from this perverse generation. So then those who had received his word were baptized, and that day there were added about 3,000 souls. You think we got space problems? (laughs) Try 3,000 overnight. They were continually devoting themselves to the Apostles' teaching and to fellowship, to the breaking of bread, and to prayer. Everyone kept feeling a sense of awe, and many wonders and signs were taking place to the apostles. And all those who had believed were together and had all things in common. And they began selling their property and possessions and were sharing them with all as anyone might have need. Day by day, continuing with one mind in the temple and breaking bread from house to house, they were taking their meals together with gladness and sincerity of heart, praising God and having favor with all the people. And the Lord was adding to their number, day by day, those who were being saved. I want to talk to you about a few things out of these verses that I believe God shows us is his vision for any church, and it's his vision for our church. First of all, new hope is to be a place for life change. I think all of us know it, don't we? That there needs to be some changes in our life. Don't we know that? Don't we realize that there are some things present in our lives that don't need to be there? There are some things that aren't in our lives that should be there. And I think even on some level, all of us, we've got the testimony of God. He's given each one of us a conscience. We have a sense, whether we've identified that or not, and maybe that's why you're here tonight. Somehow, some way, God should be involved in my life. 
Those things that, that shouldn't be in my life but are, or those things that should be in my life but aren't, somehow God should have something to do with that. And in Acts chapter 2, verse 40, the Apostle Paul, he was sharing God's message with a large group of people who were basically in town because of a holiday. And it sounds like the Apostle Peter was very passionate about what he shared. He, he cared very much about the words he was saying because the words that are used to describe what he was saying are very intense words. It says, uh, it says um, and with many other words, he solemnly testified and kept on exhorting them. Those words solemnly testified means he was giving them a testimony. He was sharing a testimony, but he was doing it with a real passion, with a real intensity. And he kept on exhorting them. That word means to call someone to the, to call someone. To, to their attention, but again, it's got some more intensity to it. So what you're hearing is the Apostle Peter is speaking. Now, I'm not saying he's yelling at them. Some Christians have misinterpreted and act like, you know, pastors ought to be yelling at people. I don't need anybody to yell at me. How about you? Okay, just tell me. Just tell me. I can take it. I can take a full dose. All right. Well, Peter wasn't yelling at them, I don't think. I believe he was just passionately, with all of his heart, sharing. He wasn't just saying, oh, well, this is not really a big deal. You can take it or leave it. That's what we're saying. It was a very important message. And this was what he was challenging them to consider. If you are going to have a relationship with God that changes your life, you have to start at the beginning and enter into a relationship with God. Peter was saying to them, he says, he says he solemnly testified, he was passionately sharing with them, be saved from this perverse generation. To paraphrase that, he was basically saying, we need to be rescued from this messed up world. Amen? This world is in a mess. My life is in a mess, and I need some help. And what Peter was basically sharing with them is, if you want your life to change, you've got to start by turning it over to God. You see, I talked about Jesus in the Gospels, what he did for us. When he died on the cross, the Bible says it was necessary. We don't have a relationship with God. God created us so that we could have... Isn't that amazing? God created us. It's so unnatural for us, but it ought to be one of the most natural things in the world. Our Creator created us. For some of us, it seems so odd to talk about God. I can remember as a teenager talking to my dad about the work that God was doing in my heart. And I remember I said, uh, I said, Daddy, uh, uh, somebody's been kind of uh, um, wanting me to do something with my life. And he was like, well, who is it? I said, well, guess. He said, is it Shannon? I was like, no. He said, is it me? Is it your mom? And finally said, is it God? And I said, yeah, it's God. Isn't it weird? Isn't it odd when you look at the Bible? God wants us to have a personal, intimate relationship with him but unfortunately, we don't, do we? We're separated, and we sense that. And so what the Bible says is, is that in order for us to experience all that God has for us, the first thing that needs to happen is I need to come to him and say, God, I admit it. I admit that I, I've done things that are wrong. And Lord, I know that those things that I've done wrong, those things are keeping me away from you. They're like a wall. The book of Isaiah says they're like a wall that has been built between us and God. And God says, Listen, if you will just trust in me, that's why I sent my son to die on the cross for you. I sent him so that he could pay the price for your sins for you, the eternal price for my sins and your sins and every sin that's ever been committed. Jesus Christ paid for that on the cross. And he said, I defeated all that. I paid for it in full. I defeated it. I rose from the dead. And if you will put your trust in me, you can have a relationship with God that starts right now and lasts forever. Wow. 
Amen? I mean, anybody that's ever had that happen, it changes your life, doesn't it? Friends, that's what I want to share with you. That's the starting point. It's a decision that I made 25 years ago in my own life, and it's the reason that this church exists today. We're here to help introduce people to God. It should be common in church to hear that Jesus Christ gave his life for you. It should be common to hear that he wants you to be forgiven, that he wants you to have a relationship with him, that he wants to help transform your life into all that God's created to be. But unfortunately, that's not very common, is it? Many people go to church and never hear the good news. But that's the reason this church exists, to share the good news. And friend, if you are here today and you have never had the amazing experience of your sins, I was just thinking about it yesterday. I am so glad you guys don't know everything I've ever done wrong. Amen? Aren't you glad? Aren't you glad we don't put it on the screen? You know, when you join, here's your background. God knows, though, doesn't he? And it means something to me because he's forgiven me of every single one of those sins, and he'll do the same for you. If you have not experienced that relationship with God, friend, that is the first step. Some of us are trying to change our lives. We're trying to make our lives better. We're trying to reform. We're trying to turn over a new leaf. And the Bible says you cannot do it on your own. The early church was a place for life change. And if we're going to be a God-honoring church, that's the kind of place we're going to be too. I am so thankful that almost on a weekly basis, someone has given their life to Jesus Christ. Did you know that since we last met last weekend, three people have accepted Christ this week? Isn't that incredible? I mean, I just told you last weekend that one person had accepted Christ, and then this week, three more. Amen? I'm going to go to Thailand more often. God does a lot of work while I'm gone. Amen? People are making that decision every week in that process of life change. You heard the stories. Did you see the faces of the people who stood before you? And the passion, the intensity, the, the realness of the hurt in their heart, just like so many of ours. And their testimony tonight to you is Jesus Christ can change your life. The vision of our church is to be a place for life change, but it's also to be a place for life support. In Genesis chapter 2, verse 18, there's a passage that actually specifically deals with marriage. But it says, Then the Lord God said, It is not good for the man to be alone. All the ladies say, Amen, Amen. Okay, well, that is specifically related to marriage, but I believe actually it's a larger principle than marriage. Whether you're married or whether you're single, listen, friends, we all need other people in our lives. Amen? The Bible says in Ecclesiastes chapter 4, verse 9, two are better than one because they have a good return for their labor. For if either one of them falls, the one will lift up his companion. Isn't that true? Have you found that in this church family? But woe to the one who falls when there is not another to lift him up. Furthermore, if two lie down together, they keep warm. But how can one be warm alone? And if one can overpower him who is alone, two can resist him. A cord of three strands. Now, where'd that third guy come from? That's starting to sound like God, isn't it? A cord of three strands is not easily broken. Early in the Bible, God set up a principle. You ain't the Lone Ranger. Amen? None of us can live life by ourselves. 
We need to have other people. We need people who can encourage us, who can be there for us, who can give us guidance, who can listen, who can enjoy life and celebrate, who can cry with us, who can even challenge us sometimes. Amen? We need people in our lives who love us, who care for us, who support us. And here's the question I want to ask tonight. Where do you go for that? Haven't we just learned in life that nobody else really cares about my life as much as I do? Haven't we learned that? I mean, at work, don't you see? It's just, it's either my job or your job, okay, right? It's either me or you. And we see that all across the world. That's the way we're wired as human beings. But when God calls us to become a part of a church family, he is, we're, we're not perfect, right? We're still struggling with this. I mean, I'm pretty selfish still. But God, hopefully, more and more is crucifying that selfishness. And more and more, he's given me a heart like Christ, and he's given you guys hearts like Christ. And now we truly have a family, a group of people who are together, who care for each other. Many people, when they get to that point of just wishing and just hoping that is there anybody else out there that cares, I think they would hope, wouldn't they, that they would find it at church? But unfortunately, many people have not. Listen to what happened to these people in Acts chapter 2. In verses 41 and 42, okay, it says, He he said to them, be rescued. Let your life be changed by the power of Jesus Christ. Receive Christ as your Savior. Then in verse 41, it says, So then those who had received his word were baptized. Those who had accepted Christ as their Savior, they were baptized. And that day there were added about 3,000 souls. They were continually devoting themselves to some things, to the apostles' teaching, to fellowship, to the breaking of bread, to prayer. And all those who had believed were together, and they had all things in common. You're saying, yeah, right. Okay, this is not saying they all agreed all the time. This is not saying that, that there was no room for creativity. It's talking about unity here. And they began selling. He's talking about fellowship, being on the same page, being united together in heart and spirit. And they began selling their property and possessions and were sharing them with all as anybody might have need. Day by day, continuing with one mind, there it is again, that unity in the temple and breaking bread from house to house. They were spending time together. They were taking their meals together with gladness and sincerity of heart. These verses show us what was happening and these people, they had, they had a system of life support had developed around them. First of all, they were baptized. Now, some people say, well, what's that got to do with people supporting you? What does that have to do with a church family? Well, the reason people get confused about that is because a lot of people have been told that the reason that you're baptized is to wash your sins away. There are many churches that teach that either as an infant or later in life, you get baptized, and that is what makes you right with God. Now, many of us have followed those religious systems, but don't we know in our heart that surely getting in a tub of water and getting wet, surely having some water poured over my head or sprinkled, surely that is not enough. Don't we kind of sense that? Even though we might have been taught that? You see, that's not at all what baptism, the Bible teaches. If you read the Bible, baptism is a picture. It's a picture of what happens when you receive Christ as your Savior. You are buried with Christ, right down Romans chapter 6. You are buried with Jesus Christ. That's when you accept Christ as your Savior. You are buried with Christ in your heart. You, the old person dies with Christ on the cross, and the new person rises in newness of life. And now Jesus Christ gives you credit for his righteousness, and now you are living as a new person, a new life. 2 Corinthians 5, 17. If any man is in Christ, he is a new creation. 
Old things have passed away. Behold, all things have become new. That's what baptism symbolizes. Hey, baptism doesn't do that for me. It shows that I've had that happen in my heart, and it's a visible way for me to portray publicly that I've put my trust in Jesus. In fact, Romans 6 talks about baptism is really about identification. It's saying, I am not ashamed to let you know. Me and Jesus, we had something happen in my heart, but I'm letting it come out. I want all you guys to know. In fact, I share with young people many times, I'll tell them, your baptism is like a jersey. You don't have to have a jersey to be on the team, right? Your coach can call and say, hey, I chose you, and we're giving out jerseys tomorrow. You're already on the team, right? But when they hand out jerseys, why wouldn't you put your jersey on, right? If I'm playing in the game, if I'm on the team, I want everybody to know this is the team I'm on. Baptism's our way of saying I am... I am publicly identifying myself. I'm marking myself as a follower of Jesus Christ. And I am identifying myself with all the others who've identified themselves in that way. So they were baptized. That was a way of them being brought in uh, symbolically, uh, visually brought into God's family. Then it says they were added. That's kind of odd, isn't it? They were added. They were added to what? It says they were added to God's family. That day, about 3,000 souls. Apparently, when they accepted Christ as their Savior, there was a sense that they had been brought into something, right? They had been brought into God's family. They had been brought into the church. Now they identified themselves with other believers. Do you see what I'm saying? They're not just lone rangers. I accepted Christ and I go about my business. No, I'm baptized, identifying myself with Christ, and now I'm identifying myself with His people partnering together with other believers so I can worship God, so I can grow in Him, so I can serve Him. And then it said they started getting involved with each other's lives. They were actively participating in each other's lives. Look look at what it says. It says they were continually devoting themselves to the apostles' teaching. What does that mean? They were pretty serious about some things. Their lives changed. They were continually devoting themselves to studying what? The apostles' teaching. That's, That's the Word of God. They were continually devoting themselves to fellowship, to growing closer to one another. They were continually developing, uh, uh, devoting themselves to the breaking of bread. Many people believe that's just a reference to the Lord's Supper. So they were, they were worshiping together. They were continually devoting themselves to prayer. They were talking to God together. It says that they were sharing what they had with other people. They began selling if they found out You were part of the group of believers. You were part of God's family. And they found out that you had a need that they could help out with. And they say, you know what? We don't need that car anyway. That's just an extra for us. Or, you know, we got that piece of land. We don't really need that. We were kind of holding on to it for for another time. And and something else may work out. You know what? You've got a greater need right now. That shows you, doesn't it? They cared for each other. If you had a problem, now I have a problem. They began spending time together. It says they would meet each other at the temple, at the Jewish temple. They were hanging out in each other's homes. Now you're getting serious, aren't you? You don't just have anybody over to your house. I mean, can you tell the difference? What if it had stopped right after he said, be saved, and they had received? If it stopped right there, you just have Lone Ranger Christians running around. But do you see the difference? These people sensed, I have been added to God's family, and now I feel a need to connect with other people who are Christians so that I can worship God, I can grow together with them, and I can be involved in what God's doing. And by the way, they were having a lot of fun doing it. Do you see what it says at the bottom? 
they were doing this with gladness and sincerity in their hearts. And by the way, that's good evidence that this was really a pure church. That sincerity basically can be translated, there was no garbage, okay? They, they were doing it with gladness and sincerity, and they were praising God, and they were having favor with other people. They were having a good time doing it. They were enjoying one another and the Lord. These people who had once been far away from God, or maybe they had sought God, but they had, their lives had been changed by the power of Jesus Christ, and not only had they experienced life change, but now they had people in their lives to support them. You know what's cool about all those testimonies I saw? Is knowing the support that those people have been given in those struggles that they've had. What would we do without a church family, amen? Amen? Where would my life be without my church family? The vision of New Hope is to be a place for life change, it's for life support, but the last thing is it's a place for life mission. There used to be a song, some of you may remember this song, it talked about, uh, I think it's Stephen Curtis Chapman, it talked about there being more to this life. He said there, there should be more to this life, more than living and dying, more than just trying to make it through another day. Don't we, don't we have a, a sense in our hearts that we were made for more? More than just, you know what, you give your all to this job and then they just arbitrarily decide to downsize and guess what? You're expendable. It's over. I mean, you spent 10 years pouring your life, getting up every day, and guess what? You're gone. Isn't there more to life than that? Isn't there more to life than dirty laundry and washing dishes and just keeping a house going? Isn't there more to life than that? Isn't there more to life than just struggling to keep your family and your marriage together? Friend, I believe that we all sense that we were made for more, and I have good news for you not We were made for more. Praise the Lord. You were created by God Almighty. He loves you, and He has a purpose for your life. And if you will allow Him to come into your life and to lead your life, you will see that you were created for so much more than you have ever experienced. Did anybody else ever experience that? Listen to what happened to them. It says, everyone kept feeling a sense of awe. And many wonders and signs, miraculous things were taking place to the apostles. It says in verse 47, they were praising God and having favor with all the people. And the Lord was adding to their number day by day those who were being saved. What I see in these verses is God was being experienced and God was being shared with other people. Here's the way I look at it. I get one chance at life. Now, some religions teach that we get more, but I think that's just a ploy of the enemy to keep us putting off dealing with God. Okay? But actually, the Bible teaches it's appointed for man to die once, and then, we're, then we stand before God for judgment. Okay? So we have one opportunity to live this life. Okay? I don't know about you, but I've lived enough of it in my own strength. How much fun is that? It's not, is it? What if, is it possible that we could be a part of a family where God truly does what he wants to do. Are you with me, church family? In this lifetime, we get one shot. Why don't we see what God could do if we just stay out of his way? Is it, is it possible? Are you with me? Are you hungry for that? 
Everyone kept feeling a sense of awe, and many wonders and signs were taken. Miraculous things. We've had a couple of miraculous things. God blew me away this week. There were some things I was praying about. Two big things. And the Lord took care. Boom, boom. One day, one day. Two days in a row. I was like, Lord, wow. I'm impressed. You are good. Friends, some of us are trying to live our lives in our own strength. And I believe you know it. It's, it's buried down so deep because we've been so affected by the reality of life and the difficulty of life that we have a hard time uh, believing that or letting that come out of us anymore. But I believe our hearts just would start to beat a little faster when we hear. We know in our hearts we were made for more, don't we? We know we were made for more than what our feet just on this ground and all these problems and all this difficulty. It cannot be just for this lifetime. Amen. We were made for eternity. We were made for for God to work in and through our lives. New hope is to be a place for a life mission, for God to get a hold of us, for God to meet in our midst, and to God for God to work through us. Look at this. Because they were experiencing God, the Lord was adding to their number day by day. Now we haven't quite got to day by day, but I'm hoping for it. Amen. Day by day, that people, <laughs> good night. When do you ever get tired of a life being changed? We were made for a mission. We were made for God Almighty to work in our hearts. We were made to be a part of a church. You sensed it. And so many times in churches you've been a part of before. And that was part of the frustration, wasn't it? We're trying to do this in our own strength. Amen? God, will you help us to be a place where we will stay out of your way and we will trust you to do it in your mighty power? Anybody else hungry for that? And as we do that, God is going to draw other people to himself as we allow him to use us. It almost seems too good to be true, doesn't it? It almost seems like it's impossible to experience in this lifetime. But I want to challenge you, church family, on this 10-year anniversary God has done some amazing things in our midst. Praise his name. We would be wrong not to say, wow, God, we are impressed. Amazing what you've done. But I'm not done yet, are you? Because I don't think he's done. I think the Lord would just sing to us, it is only just begun. And I just want to appeal to your heart tonight just to say, hey, hey, if you want to keep on living life just kind of in your own strength, then go for it. But I want to tell you something. I don't want any more of that. I want to say, God, would you give me a family? Would you give me some people around me as you're changing my life that I can support them, they can support me, that you can work in our midst, and all the while you're just bringing more people to yourself. That's the vision. That's it. I just told you right there. That's it. You've heard, you've heard us describe it other times before is the mission of our church family is to bring people to faith, to grow people in faith, and to send people by faith. That's just another way of saying it. Seeing people come to Christ, seeing all of us grow together, and then as we're growing, serving God in the lives of others. And then the cycle just keeps going. Amen? That is the vision. That is what it's all about. It is very simple, but it is not very easy. Because we've got an enemy. You know what, tonight, whether it's a person who's already a part of our church family, 
And for some reason you struggle with the vision that God's given and you're saying no to that in your heart or for our church family, you got to deal with that tonight. Or maybe you're here tonight and you've never given your life to Jesus Christ. And what stands before you is that next step, that next decision. And all I can say to you is based upon God's word and based upon all these people that have filed in front of you tonight, this stuff is true. God is in the life-changing business. God is in the life-support business. I need a family. Will y'all be my family, please? God is in the life-mission business. God wants to give you a purpose for living. He created you. We can talk about that more later, but there is nobody else like you. He created you to be a part of that mission, and if, it's not, if you're not involved, it's not going to be the same. He wants you to be a part of his body. Tonight, I just want to ask you, you may have been here almost a whole lot. Somebody told me that tonight that they were, they were part of one of those very first worship services at the Ramada Inn. I was like, cool. Isn't that neat? Nine years. They're pretty far back. They almost beat me and Shannon. We're 10. <laughs> you may have been here for nine years. You may have been here. This is the first time you've ever been here. But you know what? Both ends of the spectrum would struggle, wouldn't we? We all there are there are always reasons to not trust God. There are always reasons to not follow His direction. But tonight, I want to ask you: Wouldn't it be awesome on the ten-year anniversary of our church family that you say, "I put a flag in the ground and I said I'm going to follow Jesus, and I made a decision that changed my life." We hope so, because that's what we exist for: is to see God change lives. At the end of our worship services, what we like to do is give an opportunity <clears throat> for people to think about what God spoke to your heart about. I want to ask you, if you would, if just don't pack up, don't zip your coat, don't get your Bible closed or anything. Just, you just think about for just a few moments. We're going to close here in just a few minutes. But I want you to think about for just a few moments. Isn't it kind of odd? You're here on the 10-year anniversary of a church. I wonder why. I'm not going to tell you. I don't know why. <laughs> but I want you to ask, why, God? Why am I here? It's kind of interesting that you are, isn't it? What would he want to say to you? Let's bow before him for just a moment. Father, I thank you for this picture that you give in your word of what church should look like. Lord, I'm sorry for the times that we haven't looked like that. But I pray that more times than not that we would, that we have. And I pray that that would continue to grow, Lord. That this would be a place that is fulfilling the purpose that you left us here for. This is not my church. This is not anybody else's church. This is yours. You gave your life for every person in this room. You own it. You own the title deed to each one of our lives. And you deserve the right to just have your way and to do whatever you want in and through this church and in and through our lives. And Lord, I just pray tonight that each person in this room, God, we're not an organization that we can just make decisions and change hearts and lives or do anything of real value. The only way new hope is ever going to be what you want it to be is if each one of us makes the right choice tonight. 
I pray, wherever we are, whatever the decision is, that you would help us to trust you. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Friend, tonight, like I said, you may have been at New Hope almost from the beginning. You know what's the danger in that? I I ask God to help me with that. We get comfortable, don't we? Oh, I know what Pastor Robbie's going to do next. Oh, I've been to these anniversary services. I know probably about what he's going to say. Oh, yeah, I, I, I got it all figured out. I know the program. You know what I'd say to you? Danger, danger, danger. Sometimes the hardest person to be open to God is the one who's most exposed to God. Because you know what we start doing? As we start just letting God become just kind of normal to us instead of realizing how holy He is. So I want to challenge you, long-time New Hope person, would you say of all people in this room, I need to have my heart open to God? That's what I'm saying. God can do whatever He wants. Amen? He can change whatever He wants. It's His place, isn't it? What does He need to do in your life tonight? You know what? You might be here tonight and you say, I've never, I don't know if I've ever had my life changed by Jesus Christ. Brent, can I tell you, that's not just a, hey, uh, you may want to kind of work on that. That's like, you're not ready to stand before God. If Jesus Christ came back tonight, the very first question he's going to want to know is, have you ever entered into a relationship with me and had your sins forgiven? You need to know the answer to that question. And I want to help you with that tonight. I want to pray with you. I'm going to be down front as we sing. If you need somebody to pray with you about that decision, about any decision, don't leave here before you let God work.